This podcast is brought to you by sarahraven.com, which is home to everything you need for a truly beautiful and productive garden. You'll also find great and essential gardening kit and stylish, lovely things to have in your house to bring the outside indoors, all inspired by the garden and the house being tied together. There's also plenty of garden inspiration, how-to videos and specialist growing guides. So head over to sarahraven.com today to discover even more. Welcome to Grow, Cook, Eat, Arrange, the podcast of me, Sarah Raven. And today I've got a new guest who I'm really excited to introduce you to. And that is Tom Stimson. And Tom is our head of horticulture. He kind of oversees everything from the beauty and the compatibility of the range, as well as being in charge of all the growing at our nursery in Lincolnshire. So he's kind of absolutely overseeing the horticultural side as well as getting his hands dirty but why I wanted him to come on is he has the most wonderful garden which he's going to tell us all about which is a small-ish he'll tell us how big urban garden and he'll tell us where and the whys and wherefores and his passions so welcome Tom it's really lovely to have you on the podcast and I'm so looking forward to sort of picking your brains on things. So first of all, how long have you been gardening, Tom? Oh, crikey, for years, since um, I was a small child, helping my mum, who is a very keen and avid gardener. And um, I just loved it right from the word go, really. I've always been attracted to colour and lots of it. So um, yeah, that's where it all started, really, when I was at primary school. And so how did you develop? your horticultural bent i used to help my mom plant up all of the the summer containers so we'd work out our planting combinations our colors color palette for the for the season so every year we'd start with maybe this year is going to be um citrus colors and um then we'd start and plan out what plants we'd buy how we'd arrange them in the pots what size pots how big they were um, where they were going to place be placed sort of throughout the garden and um i loved all that aspect of it yeah the design side yes mm. really really mm. loved it so um yes that's where it all started from really and i just developed it over the years and it's never gone away so and it's now ended up being my job and where was that where, where did your parents live where was that garden it's in cambridgeshire just a little north of cambridge and um quite a big garden just over an acre with sort of lots of terrace areas and big sweeping borders, a fruit garden with fruit trees. And um, so a real mixture of plants. So something to get my teeth stuck into right yeah. across annuals and perennials to soft fruit and top fruit and to vegetable growing. So a real good mix of, of gardening. Yeah. And, and then once you left school, how did that develop? I went... Um, I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do when I left school. So I decided to enroll on a, um, a national certificate in horticulture. Mm -hmm. And that gave me a year's sort of initial, very basic training. And from there, I, I went to work at a nursery straight away. And I was there for three years until my very early 20s, 20, 21. Mm -hmm. And then I decided to go to Rittle College and I did a 
a BSc in commercial horticulture mm. then. And, um, and I think that was really good because it gave me a very good grounding and a bit of commercial awareness and taught me to be a little bit savvy. And, um, yeah. and I've sort of progressed from, from there, really. Yeah. And sort of 20 years or so on, you came to us. And, yes. and, um, and how did that happen? So colour was, was, I suppose, a, a big thing for you. Yes, absolutely. I've always loved the Sarah Raven brand, the, the photography and the way the colours are portrayed, not just um, in beds and borders, but it's the containers, the pots and collections, right from the summer, right the way through, yeah. there's always something to um, to grab your attention. And I, I absolutely love that. So, um, and I suppose my garden is... Um, in a very humble way, in some areas, has tried to mirror some of those collections and colours, which I still enjoy doing now. And the fact now it's my job is pretty fantastic. Oh, that's so nice. So tell us, Tom, about your garden. Where is it? How big is it? What aspect is it? Does it have walls? Does it have terrace? Does it have lawn? I live in the centre of Ely in Cambridgeshire, quite close to the river. And um, my garden is a small urban space. Um, it's a small courtyard, really, so it's fenced, quite tall fences, which are covered in climbers of predominantly roses, clematis, one hydrangea, um, PGLRS, which um, has really established itself now. And then I have a couple of quite large flower beds, which are edged with, um, with box and all different box shapes in various forms of topiary shapes which I love, and it gives the garden a bit of structure. Yeah, for winter. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Well, all year, but, but also winter. Yes, so, um, and in those beds, it tends to, um, there's a mix of annuals and perennials, and I suppose it has two main seasons, I suppose, for the, we have a good spring, uh, quite a bit of colour in spring, with tulips and narcissi and alliums, and then the first of the very early perennials and biennials of foxgloves and, and honesty and things like that. And then that tends to be replaced more with the um, companulas, geraniums, and a lot of the summer annuals of ami and nigella or leia, and then quite a few dahlias as well. I can't have a garden without any dahlias in well, that all sounds so lovely. Do you have a lawn, Tom? No, um, no lawn at all. The space is just too small and I, I thought it was too much faff to, to try and do that. So it's graveled with very tiny pea gravel in little sort of pathways. And that is sort of full of containers of pots, predominantly terracotta, but a few zinc and then a few sort of Moroccan style lamps just that light up in the evening. But it's pots. It's all about pots. So that's your thing, isn't it? I mean, that's what I wanted you to, to, or us to chat mainly about is as we sort of get to the end of, of the growing season and we look to next year, 2024, I thought it would be lovely if we could talk about the pots that you've loved most in your garden and the plants in them and the combinations that you've had over the years that have been your sort of top favourites and most successful because I've talked a lot about pots with Josie here and in the past with Arthur, who's a great pot enthusiast. But I thought it'd be lovely to have a kind of 
your Tom's Garden sort of small urban look because I know you concentrate an awful lot on perennials in pots. So I'd love you to go through a sort of list of, you know, perhaps your absolute favourites and why you love them so much. Yeah, no, of, of course. Yeah, I do love using perennials in pots because I think, because I love perennials and don't have a massive space to grow them, I'm not going to miss out. So um, so I tend to use quite biggish pots. I think that those create more drama and interest are easier to water and feed throughout the season. So my biggest pots tend to have combinations. And I from, I suppose my go-to perennials, I think the ones that have given me the the best results and the most pleasure, always include Gara, yeah. um, Linda Mary, I the Bride. I, I absolutely love it. I love its waviness and its thin spires of which are punctuated with those white sort of butterfly-like flowers. Um, mm. I always, always include that. I never have pots without those. Salvia curviflora I, is another mm. one of my absolute favourites, and it goes so well with the gara. I love its arching stems, that shot of bright cerise, which is just mm. enough. It just punctuates through the gara, and I, I love it. Yeah, that's such a good idea. I'm going to copy that. <laughs> <laughs> and then I always add in although obviously tender, but um, chocolate cosmos because um, mm. and I, I know there's been lots of chocolate cosmos bred over the years, lots of modern varieties, but I still actually go for atro sanguineus because I think it has some of the largest flowers, the mm. richest deep chocolatey colour. And I love the way the flower stems intermingle through both of the other two plants. It just mm. sort of has a lovely sort of movement of, of effect and because the bees all love it they, they all yes. buzz around them it's I, I love that fabulous well we must come and photograph that in your garden because that sounds like <laughs> the most brilliant pot combination that we can slot straight in so gara the bride salvia curviflora and cosmos atrosanguineus so there you are everyone we can all we can all be copying that <laughs> so um, what what other what other winners? I suppose then for in that same kind of pot, I would sometimes add verbena homestead purple. Yeah, it's yes. a bright shot of purple, and um, I know it's a bit, it's not the neatest of plants, but it's such a great performer, and it's yeah. it's that purpley colour. I'm not quite sure how I'd describe that purple, but it's it's so intense and vivid. Yeah, and I love the the way it's sort of um. It kind of does its own thing, doesn't it? It sort of um, shoots out branches all over the place. I tend to just stop mine a little bit as it starts to do that, just so I get more side shoots. Yeah. And they seem to be more manageable and a, a little bit more flexible and create a bit more of a lax habit rather than just a straight lateral branch. Yes. Brilliant performers. I, I love those. Could we call that Liberty Bag Purple? Do you know what I mean? That <laughs> yes. really vibrant... Uh, yes, you could actually. That's a very good description, Sarah. I love that. <laughs> oh, oh, good, good. Because you know that thing. Well, I n I never go shopping in London anymore, but that Liberty Bag Purple. You'd be walking down Regent Street, Oxford Street, and you yeah. would see it sort of half a mile off. That, yes. that amazing colour, which I have to say, I copied for my van on tour away days. Colour. <laughs> um, that's Liberty Bag Purple. So Verbena Homestead Purple is. It is that very, very. You know, it's not amethyst, is it? It's much more luminous than that. Yes, and deep and rich. Yeah. And I, I love yeah. those colours. Yeah. yeah. So that that one always works, and um, 
And I think another one for me, I'd also add into that pot is heliotrope Riva. And, um, mm, love it. Oh, me, me too. And um, th- the only thing, it does get a little bit soft growing in pots because obviously they're so well looked after. But I find I, I just plant it sort of nearer the centre and then it seems to self-support itself amongst the other things. And um, mm. as long as you deadhead it quite regularly, I, I love that for its shot of of that soft lavender and it's it's very delicate and in the evening the scent I so those pots are around my sort of terrace sitting area and um, yeah. the smell is lovely I'm always amazed how much of a gorgeous scent it it provides from very few plants it, yes, it just works it's so yeah it's a real wafty perfume isn't it Reva that's so interesting because I honestly thought we were the only people apart from P- Parham house gardens that grow Reva but but you know it as well which is which is so nice. So, yeah. And have you been growing it for years? No, no, not very long at all. And I have to be honest, Sarah, I saw it on, um, on your website before I started to work for Sarah Raven. Oh, did you? Okay, good. So I bought some and I've, I've had it every year since. It's, it's really lovely. I love it. And I even put it into some of my, my beds now as well. It doesn't get quite so tall there. Okay. And uh, wow. it's a little bit more self-supporting, um, but really good. I, I love that. But you do it as bedding because it's not hardy, is it? Is it hardy? No, 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 no. no, no. It's, no. It's, so you do cuttings. Yep. Actually now, I mean, this sort of time of year would still be time to take yep. cuttings, wouldn't it? Probably. August is a great time. Yeah. Great. And so I know you're also very keen on your pelagoniums. So will you talk us through your favourite pelagoniums for pots? Yes. I think well, one of my favourites is Sidoides. I love it for its leaf shape and color beautiful yeah and i i find this one of the most easiest to flower it just i I suppose you treat it a little bit mean to um to get it to produce the flower but um and then it has those long stems that um and then are dotted along with those deep rich small burgundy flowers and um I have it in a, a little sort of window box outside of my kitchen door and I just plant three in it and I've done it every year now for quite some time and and by the end of the summer they're quite large and the mm. amount of stems and it, it goes a bit mental but it's just wonderful and um, lovely I add those to pots I treat them like a spiller as you mm. just wonderful I love those so that would always be I'd always have those always I love that. Do you know this year we've got a trial with that in a pot with a new dahlia called heroin, which is, it's kind of huge, rather delicate single flowers of a sort of dusky pink with a deeper, uh, more crimsony center. And Josie's planted that with uh, that in the center and with sedoides all the way around the edge. And I'm, I'm really, that's just coming into its stride now. I'm really looking forward to seeing those two together. Oh, good. Oh, I can't wait to see that when I next when I next come down. That'd be fab. Yeah, and others, other pelagonians. So, a tower of roses always, and um, yeah, predominantly for me, it is because I love just gently rubbing the leaves and getting that gorgeous yeah. scent. And I, I, I find it some, sometimes it can be a little tricky to come into flower, um, especially if it's overfed too much. But um, yes. I do get it to flower, but it tends to be sort of from mid to late summer when it's at its best in terms of flower. But I always have that. And again, I plant it around the edge of pots just so you can brush past it. And those oils are released quite 
quite freely. I think that's the best one for me yeah. to provide that delicious leaf scent. I, yeah. I'd always have that, always. There's nothing like it, is it? It's like blackcurrant leaf. Somehow you, you, you crush a, a, a leaf of that and it just takes you straight back to where you first smelt it. I think. Yes, exactly. Yeah, no, I totally adore it. Yeah. And I suppose if I was to name one more, it'd have to be Arden's, I think. Oh, yes. I'm, the one that goes into dormancy. Actually, I've got a funny story about Arden's because I adore it, which is, it's kind of like Sodoides, but with a more scarlet flower, yes. slightly bigger. And again, very delicate, silvery foliage. And um, Jonathan Buckley, the photographer I work with, had three from a shoot that he put on his window ledge. And they look absolutely triumphant. He's, I've actually got a beautiful picture of it in my pop book that's coming out in the spring. And... Um, he he said, uh, but he managed to kill them in three weeks. And what he hadn't realised is, of course, Ardennes dies down, doesn't it? It goes into dormancy yes. in like August, doesn't it? Because it's um it's from South Africa and it, it emerges in their spring and then mm -hmm. goes into dormancy in, in our late summer kind of thing. Yeah. And he thought he'd kill the lot and threw them out, but he hadn't. Oh, no. They'd just gone dormant. <laughs> oh no. Anyway, it is stunning. So how do you grow it? I just grow that singularly in a pot on its own because, um, and then I, when it's at its best, then I just put it onto the outside table. And I generally have three, not major, pot, sort of um, maybe two litre pot size, something around that, nice little old terracotta pots. And then when they're done, I just remove them, they're replaced with something else. But I, I think the flower colour is so unique and so, um, well, how would you describe the red? I'm not quite sure. Is it like a blood kind of red it's it's amazing yeah, yeah. it is I, I think it's it's not heavy somehow it's really vibrant and yet not not sort of coarse in in some way it's just so sophisticated i adore it too yes me too yeah. and what about dahlias what about dahlias tom do you do you have any dahlias in your pots yes i do i love the dahlia honkers these are my mm. um, my thing of the moment, I think. And I've this year I've dotted them through the beds as well, Honka Fragile and Honka mm. Pink. But I've mm. also used Honka Fragile in some of the bigger pots as the centerpiece. Yeah, lovely. and I love the Honkas, obviously for their flowers and their because they attract so many pollinators. Will you describe them in case people who are listening don't know what the Honkas are? Well, they're very um. The, the flower stems are quite large. They're, they're quite compactish in habit in terms of foliage height is not massive. They're, they're quite containable. They have quite long flowering stems and then sort of finger-like flowers that are each petal is gently, gently kind of um, furled inwards. And fragile is a lovely creamy white with the most delicate cerisi pink edge to it, isn't it? And it has that bright central sort of nectar grabbing center, which obviously the bees just love. And I just love them. They sort of punctuate everything. And especially in the lower evening light, it's good. Yes. Along with like Nicotianas and things, they, they look so good, don't they? Yeah. This is my second year of using the honkers. And I, shall, I think that's going to be a quite a long-lived planting plan each year. Yeah. And so then moving on to annuals, are there, are there any annuals that you would particularly advocate for your containers to go with your perennials, sort of dotted for extra colour? Yes, I do. Um, I kind of have, I suppose, four or five that I, I always use. Antirhinums, 
I particularly like the Chantillys because I, I like their habit and I like the flower shape. Yeah. And whites, purples and, and velvet are my sort of key colours. Although I, I do quite like the crimsony colours as well. But those three colours are the ones that I tend to go back to. And I tend mm. to plant those sort of around the centre so the flower spikes grow up through everything else. Mm. Mm. Um, Cosmos Sonata, and it's always white for me. Um, I love Cosmos full stop, but the Sonatas being a little bit shorter make it good for for all containers, really. Um, and I love the feathery foliage. It's, in, it's a little bit of a contrast. Um, tobacco plants, I particularly like as well, lime purple and white for their scent. Yeah. And I just find they flower for such a long time. So um, I always include those. And you don't get powdery mildew with any of those? Not towards the end of the summer, okay. maybe. And if it really becomes too bad, I might just take them out. But um, yeah. I tend to just remove the, the worst affected leaves and I, I think allow a little bit more air and light in it. It yes. seems to help and control with everything else. Yes, totally. I think air circulation is key. We're actually doing a trial here because we had such good success with, with preventing mildew on our ranunculus in the greenhouse, which we've historically had because it, get, it can get so hot in April and May just when they're coming up to flower. And, um, and we found bicarb and liquid soap, i.e. washing up liquid and, and then sunflower oil to make it sticky. And we're actually trying that um, with the perfume lime this year because we tend to find that they just get these sort of just bits of powdery mildew on their leaf um, and, and then it does slightly compromise their photosynthesis. So I'm hoping air circulation and that will keep them pristine for us this year. And then I know you love the scabious black cat. Funny enough, I, I picked a massive bunch of that to mm. take to my mother today. <laughs> and I, I completely agree. I mean, I remember you've said to me that you love the way it moves and sways. And I love the way you get sort of slightly crazy shaped stems as it grows. It's just such a lovely underestimated um, long flowering hardy annual, I think, black cat. Oh, I, I agree. And I know just what you mean about the, the shape of its branches and the lateral growth. And, and it, as I'm, I can see, as I'm sitting here now looking out onto my garden, there's a big pot not far from the, the French doors and that it's doing just that. It's, it's mm. kind of a bit wild and all over the place, but it kind of mm. just works. Yeah. And it's the tallest thing in the pot. And it, it just works brilliantly with the cosmos, the gaura and, um, yeah. Oh, and this year in that pot, I literally put an Actea in, Actea simplex, just oh, because yeah. I love the scent of the flower. Yes. Um, and I can see the yeah. flower stems starting to come now. So um, all of those colours just can't work really brilliantly together. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And is the scabious supported or have you just left it to its own devices? It is in the, in the centre, but what I have done is we've, I've bought some um, of the wrought iron little oh, yeah. mini spirals and I just dot those in the center just to hold up the, the biggest stems and then the others seem to to be fine with that but yes just a little bit of support fabulous so if just before we wrap up if you were to choose one of all no that's mean three <laughs> of all the plants that you've mentioned for your containers that, that have really blown you away this year and that you would go back to for sure for the next five years afterwards, what would be the three? Well, I think Gaura for definitely. 
I would yeah. always go with that because I think whatever else I chose to use, I think that would always work. I would always, I think, have to have Pelagonium sidoides. I just couldn't imagine a summer without that at all. And kind of, I think I'm always going to have Dahlia honkers. Yeah. I, I've loved them so much that I can't imagine not having them now. You just need more colours. Yeah, a great list. So Gara the Bride, Pelagonium sidoides, and one of the honkers or several of the honkers. Yes, definitely. Those are all cracking plants. And I would have to add to that heliotrope reva just because of the mm. perfume, I think. But yeah, lovely. Well, Tom, it's so nice to talk to you. And will you come back soon and we'll talk about maybe autumn planting bulbs, your favourite autumn planting bulbs. But yeah, um, it's lovely to have you here and I hope everyone's really enjoyed hearing about your own garden and what you've got in it in the pots. Brilliant. Thanks very much. Thanks so much for listening to Grow Cookie to Range and it was lovely chatting to Tom Stimpson about the perennial pots in his garden and actually next week he's relevant too because we've just got back from a trip to Holland with Tom, Adam, my husband, myself and Josie, our head gardener on a daily hunt looking for incredibly wonderful and exciting new varieties which we will release over the next few years. So join Josie and I next week where we'll be talking about our daily hunt. You can find more information, photos and advice sheets on all the plants and recipes we talk about on this podcast by heading to the show notes or at sarahraven.com forward slash podcast.